Welcome to Real Big Talk, the empowering space where we celebrate everybody, embrace self-love, have the big talk on mental health, and challenge societal norms. I'm your host, Rihanna Colbert, and this is our second episode of the series of Mental and Emotional Health. Before we get really into it, I wanted to do a trigger warning for the audience. This episode is going to be about suicide, suicide ideation, and self-harm. If you or a loved one is struggling with suicidal ideation, thoughts, wanting to attempt, self-harm, or any of the above, please contact your local CanHelp and or you can dial 988 or text 988 to talk to somebody who really can understand and try to help you. And here we go. going to dive right into the episode. So suicide for me growing up through my teenage years was extremely strong. I have attempted to take my own life not once, but I would say three to four times. And I am very happy that I was never successful with it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today, the person that I am today, with the people that surround me and love me for who I am. And I love them for who they are. And I truly am grateful that all the attempts I have made were not successful. For me, suicide and self-harm were like the elephant in the room. It consumed me mentally, emotionally, and of course, physically. Every single day while I was in high school, I would cut myself with anything I could find that was sharp. Even if it wasn't clean. I mean, razors, I would take razors that we use for cutting out pieces of paper in our class and I would go to the bathroom and I would just cut my arm. Um, It usually always focused on my arms. I never focused anywhere else really. And it was like a relief. Every time I did it, it would take away from my thoughts of wanting to kill myself and from a trauma from my past with my mother and the bullying that I went through and the situation that I was living in, living in a group home and group living and not having a stable life. It would help me get rid of those thoughts, even if it was temporary. Now, going back even further to when I was younger, My first experience with self-harm wasn't actually myself. It was an old middle school friend whom I will not name and leave them anonymous. Let's just call them B. B was an adopted person and they had a lot of issues, I would say, with a divorce of their adoptive parents and they were struggling in school and I tried to help them as much as possible with even my own issues that was going on at home that no one knew about. Um, At one point, B started cutting themselves and I didn't understand. I couldn't comprehend why they would do that to themselves. I didn't understand and I ended up going to the counselor and letting them know that B is cutting their arm um and next thing i know b was taken out of school and i never saw b again and i really wish i could have closure with b 
and apologize, but at the same time be like, I really hope that what I did truly helped you. I want to know where B is, and I hope B is okay. And I think about B quite a lot. B was my first example of self-harm. And I didn't understand until I really understood, if you know what I mean. I went home, and after my mother was done with what I would call one of her nightly episodes of screaming at me and blaming for me, blaming me for her life and the situation that we were in. Um, after she was done hitting me and then went to do her regular routine of drinking and watching TV, I went into the bathroom and this is the very first time I ever cut myself. I took my mom's safety razor and... I just did what I saw B did to herself. And it was then from then on that I understood why she did it. I have quite an interesting childhood. So there is going to be an episode specifically about the timeline of my childhood to make it more understandable and about my mother. But just the gist of it, I grew up with my mother up until my preteens, I would say about 11 or 12. And then I went to a boarding school that I will not name just for privacy reasons, a private boarding school that helped kids that were living in poverty and such and have situations at home. So I went there for a couple years, and during that time, my self-harm was an all-time high, as well as my mental health being an all-time low. It was an all-time low because at that point, I realized what my mother did to me. So when you're, when I, and I don't know if anyone else can relate, when you're so used to a situation and you don't have a lot of information or help from the outside world or examples I would say you become so used to it and I was so used to the abuse from my mother physically mentally emotionally verbally the you know trifecta I was so used to it that I didn't realize that what she was doing wasn't healthy and I realized that when I was taken away from her and put into this boarding school now when I say taken away I mean willingly I willingly went because I was excited to have a different experience with school and possibly make friends and live like what I thought would be hopefully I don't get copyrighted I thought I thought I was gonna be like Zoe 101 it was not like Zoe 101 anyways I honestly was excited and it wasn't until I went there that I started seeing healthy relationships blossom and I realized that wow my mom really messed me up. And it was that realization that really hit me one day that started my suicidal thoughts. Also known as suicidal ideation. That is a term that I learned from being in and out of mental hospitals and with therapy. So I had a lot of suicide ideation. Um, and the first attempt I ever made was by cheeking sleeping pills that were prescribed to me. Um because I couldn't sleep. I, I just, I couldn't sleep with the thoughts running through my head. Um, and on top of all this, no one knew. I didn't tell a soul, not a soul about what my mother did to me up until high school. I, I didn't tell anyone. 
I kept it inside. All everyone knew, at least my caseworker with Children Youth Services, was that my mother just struggled, but they didn't know the extent of it. And if they did, they wanted me to come to terms with it first, and I am grateful that they did let me come to terms with it myself. I cheeked about 12 sleeping pills, and I took them all at once. And luckily, and I don't know how, it didn't do anything to me. Surprisingly enough, I'm pretty sure it's because there were such low dosages that even when they were all combined, thankfully, I didn't need my stomach pumped or anything. I was just very loopy. Um, And I told the adults in charge of where I lived in the private boarding school. I told them about it as well as they noticed very deep cuts on my arm that was actually bleeding through my shirt. I was so out of it that I didn't realize that that was happening. And it was at that point that they took me to what we called the health center, which is like a little mini hospital for the school uh, on campus. And at that point, they admitted me into the psych ward. And that was my very first time. And I was about, I would say, 14, 15 if I'm not incorrect. I know I shouldn't be embarrassed sharing this, but part of me is just, I'm so ashamed that I did that. But I know I shouldn't be, you know, and you shouldn't either. If you've ever attempted or self-harmed or still do, don't be ashamed. Tell someone. I wish I would have told someone at a very young age that I started doing it, but I didn't really understand what I was doing. So if you're listening to this and you don't understand what you're doing and now you do, please tell someone. It will greatly help you. From then on, it's been kind of hazy for me to remember, um, not only because I was prescribed a lot of medication and with mood stabilizers and sleeping, I honestly blacked out a lot, like mentally about what has happened to me or what I have done or tried to do. Um, all I do remember for the most part is that I was in and out of a mental hospital for treatment. Um, I would say about three to four times throughout high school. And then it wasn't until I graduated that I met the love of my life, Nick. And if it wasn't for Nick and the support group that I had that never gave up on me, even through the darkest times, even when I pushed them away, even when I just gave up and had absolutely no hope, I'm going to cry, guys. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here today. It's the truth. I still struggle with depression. And I currently take a concoction of medication that so far, knock on wood, is working perfectly for me and I have never felt better in my entire life. Literally, I can't remember a time I've ever felt, I would say, more mentally, emotionally stable than I am now. I still have my moments, you know, sometimes it's a chore to take a shower or sometimes it's a chore to just get out of the home. But compared to what I used to be, where I couldn't get out of bed and... I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's a blessing. It's tremendously better. And I 
used to be anti-medication because of my mother. She was anti-medication with me, and she didn't want me to start taking medication at a young age. But I'm grateful that I went through it, and I'm grateful that I found what has worked for me over the years. Not only do I struggle with depression, um, like I said in the first episode, I have body dysmorphia, I have an eating disorder, a terrible relationship with food that I'm working on. But on top of all of that, I would say that's something I have been really hiding for a while that I haven't really told anyone, not even my closest friend, Um, which by the way, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I just didn't know how to tell you. I cut myself pretty recently. Um, Last year, I cut myself after not cutting myself for over five years. And I was at a very low point. And then I went on a higher dosage of my medication, talked it out, and realized that I needed closure with my mother. And I did. And I'm so grateful. And that's going to be another episode. So stay tuned with that. (laughs) If you get anything out of this episode, I really want it to be that you are not alone. That no matter how dark it feels, no matter how tremendously heavy it feels, you are not alone. You know, there are grown adults like myself, I'm 27, that still struggle. There are grown adults in their 50s, 40s, so on, that still struggle. You're not alone in this world. And please feel free to reach out to me if you ever need someone to just listen Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel afraid to reach out to people around you. The worst that can happen is that they just don't understand. And then they may direct you to someone who could. And that's the episode, guys. I know it's short. Once again, we're looking at 15-minute episodes for the first two episodes. But there's only so much you can share about your personal experiences. And there's only so much that I can give, you know. So... Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm extremely happy that I made it through this episode. It was extremely difficult. Once again, just want to put that out there. If you ever need help, there is a crisis hotline open 24-7, guys. All you got to dial is 988 if you want to talk on the phone or text, which is really cool. You can dial 988 and text them and let them know what's happening. And someone, a real live person, will help you work through what you're going through. If you made it this far, totally off topic. I bought a professional podcast microphone. It costs a pretty penny, but I am super excited. Next week's episode is going to sound way better. Just creme de la creme better. It's going to be professional audio, everything, the works. So stay tuned for that instead of just using my phone. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Have a wonderful weekend. Show love to yourself just as much as you love others. Have a wonderful, wonderful time, lovelies. Until next time, this is Rihanna Colbert signing off.